for Make Weed Make Sense. I'm Kenya Hunter. This is episode one. When I did intense research, I realized the Commonwealth of Massachusetts was pretty split on the matter of legal pot. Some cities displayed razor-thin votes on the issue, like Newburyport, Massachusetts, where the approval for Question 4 was led by only 500 votes. The split votes resulted in a number of delays. The Cannabis Control Commission did not hand out any recreational licenses to business owners until November of 2018. Certain cities, like Braintree, Marlborough, and Haverhill, had moratoriums on allowing recreational pot shops to set up shop. Some towns even have indefinite bans. So on my mission to find out more about the complex issue of marijuana, the first thing I decided to do was talk to Shannon, a member of the board of directors on Mass Can. <laughs> I started when I was 14. Um, I actually moved to Massachusetts, more specifically Marlborough, when I was 14. I was in ninth grade. Um, And uh, I grew up in a mostly African-American community in D.C., Maryland area. So when I moved to Massachusetts, it was a bit of a culture shock because it was mostly uh, white people. And... One thing that I learned right away is white, you know, that weed was a lot more prevalent in the schools than it was when I lived in Maryland. Um, So one day after school, there was this other girl who was also new to the high school. So we kind of just clicked because we didn't really know that many people at the high school. Um, Her mother was a single mother as well. So neither of our parents were really home. And... uh, the weed men of the school, <laughs> actually, <laughs> they live right down the street from her. And they was like, yo, y'all want to smoke? And I was like, OK. And um, that's where my journey began. Shannon is very passionate about marijuana and activism. She loves marijuana so much that people call her Shannabis. I also wanted to talk to her because she is a mother who can speak to some of the perceived injustices regarding marijuana. When Shannon had her first baby, the Department of Family and Children's Services opened a child welfare case. They investigated Shannon for three months due to her cannabis usage. Shannon didn't find out that she was pregnant until she was six months along. When the doctors broke the news, like, oh, yeah, you're entering your third trimester. You're due December 30th. I was like, I'm December? That's in three? No. It was like one of those episodes of I didn't know I was pregnant on TLC. It was kind of like one of, like, I didn't have any symptoms. I'm very honest and upfront. I'm just like, hey, if you guys take my blood or if you take my urine right now, it probably is going to come up with some THC in it because I just stopped smoking a couple days ago when I found out I was pregnant. So the doctor, he notes it and stuff. No big deal. He's like, okay, that's fine. You know, thanks for letting me know. Shannon didn't seem to have a reason to worry until it came time for her to have her baby. 
I'm signing her birth certificate. We're packing up the car seat. You know, we're doing all the, you know, cute little things that you do when you take home a baby. And then walks in uh, DCS workers. And they're like, hey, we just want to talk to you, just do a little quick interview, because since you you noted that there was some cannabis usage, um, we just have to, you know, do our due diligence. And we're just a little um, confused right now because you, you were so honest and you told us, you know, your your usage throughout the pregnancy and all this stuff. Um, we, we're a little perplexed because uh, nothing's coming up in her um, nothing's showing up in her system, nothing's showing up in, in your system, but, you know, by law, we have to um, do an investigation. After about three months, the case was closed. Shannon's daughter is now 10 years old, and she just made the honor roll. She still smoked after that. And she also became politically involved about 10 years later, when she began testifying about parental rights of those who smoke marijuana. Her first testimony was in April of 2017, regarding laws about marijuana and child welfare, testifying if marijuana should be grounds for taking children away from their parents. And then she became involved with MassCan. Um, I had got laid off at one of my jobs, and um, they had just, this is in 2016, they had just um, voted on um, legalizing marijuana so as I was looking for jobs, I'm like, well, how am I looking for jobs that I don't really want to do? Maybe I should work in the cannabis industry. So I Googled Massachusetts and I Googled cannabis and Mass Can showed up and they were planning a lobby day um, a couple weeks, not even actually it was like a week or so later from uh, when I went on the website. So um, I went to the planning meeting to help, you know, organize the lobby day which state representatives we were going to talk to, what our talking points were going to be. And it just kind of grew from there. After I helped plan it, I went to the state house and we walked around and we talked and I met some of the board of directors at the time. And then um, there was, I think, Mekan had came up. So I volunteered to sit at their table. And then I think we had 420. There was just all these events happening. So I just would show up. And that's why I tell people showing up was ha- is half the battle. So. The Massachusetts Coalition for Cannabis Reform, otherwise known as MassCan, is the organization that hosts the Boston Freedom Rally every year on the Common. And a number of people come every year. It's been happening since 1989, and the scene has evolved. In the beginning, it was a free speech rally, and the demands were very clear. During the early stages of the rally, it is said that people used to get arrested. In fact, in 2002, one of the founders of Mass Can was arrested for passing a joint on the stage. Now the scene is completely different. People smoke pot openly in the presence of police, despite the fact that public consumption is still illegal. In the past, smoking in front of a police officer was not considered tolerable. Before legalization, the consumption of marijuana was something extremely taboo. But perceptions are changing across the country. In the United States, according to the Pew Research Center, 62% of the country supports cannabis legalization. Massachusetts was in the third wave to legalize the plant recreationally, with 62.5% of voters in the city of Boston voting yes to question four in 2016. Despite this, there has been some pushback on the Boston Freedom Rally, where a record number of people attended this year, according to the Boston Globe. So... Where is this pushback coming from? 
Uh, Councillors, thank you very much for holding this hearing today regarding uh, the Boston Freedom Rally. Since the 1990s, the City of Boston, specifically the Boston Parks and Recreation Department, in partnership with the City of Boston's Law Department, has legally challenged this event, and we've been to court more than six times. This is not an event that we support or endorse. Specifically, the event is a direct contradiction to the City's ordinance that prohibits smoking in Boston parks. The courts have allowed this event to continue despite our concerns over illicit drug use, damage to park property, commercial vending, and amplified music. That was Chris Cook, a commissioner of Boston's Park and Recreation Committee. He is among those who oppose the Boston Freedom Rally. They've sued Mascan more than six times. Mascan won each lawsuit. On November 14th, there was a public hearing regarding the Freedom Rally because of a letter written to Mascan from Friends of the Garden, an organization that overlooks the Boston Common. For a while now, there is a association um, outside of the Commons that overlooks the Commons um, that is run by mostly very rich white people. And this is just the fact. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to call them out, but I didn't see any black people there. But I'm sure they have some people on the association that represents our Hispanics. Um, so we already had them in our ear about they don't want us there. And, you know, they had already, I, I forget, there was a, something happened before the Freedom Rally where they had came out and, and, and um, discussed their distaste for it. Um, so leading up to it, I, that's why at the Boston Freedom Rally, if there's any footage of me, I went on stage and I discussed that, like, hey, we have this association that doesn't necessarily want us to be here. Let's try to be on our best behavior. Let's clean up, all this stuff. Um, so we knew that they were on our tails. Um, so after the Boston Freedom Rally, they complained to their city councilors. Um, they sent all these letters and photos of our our. We, well, we don't even know where the photos, like the dates and times of the photos, but they sent all these complaints about the damage that the Boston Freedom Rally has done on the commons and they want to get rid of it and blah, blah, blah. So um, because of the outpour of, of um, uh, opposition, the city of Boston had wants to answer to their constituents and honor their request. So um, they had a hear, they had a pre-hearing, and then the one most recently was the actual public hearing, so people can actually testify. Um, so they sent us a letter and had about like eight or nine different complaints, um, some ranging from cars being parked on the common, uh, trash, needles was a big one, uh, which is beyond me. Shannon thinks the organization is consistently being targeted by the city because of the fact that city officials don't want cannabis to be recreationally legal. Um, now that the CCC has a uh, job in legalizing cannabis in Massachusetts and they have all these now, there's towns that voted yes and there's towns that voted no and all this um, these uh, red line tapes that are being put up um, they're nervous about what the Boston Freedom Rally um, has become because, yes, now technically we are legal and the 
Boston Freedom Rally originally and still is is to fight for our rights for us to be able to consume. It's it's a it's a freedom rally. It's a freedom of speech rally, in in regards to us to um, taking our liberties to uh, exercise our civil disobedience. Um, I think that because now they are trying to figure out how can we. Now that it's legal and this is still technically what they think that we're doing is illegal, they're trying to push us out. Because, like, one of the city councilors was like, well, you guys got what you want. It's legal now. Why don't you just go away? And we're like, uh, yeah, but no, there's still some other things on the expungement needs to happen. There's so many other issues around legalization that still needs to happen that isn't just a hooray, now we can smoke weed. And technically, he was wrong. One of these city councilors, you know, he was very adamant um, in regards to saying that we don't even need this anymore. It's done. We won our fight, and, and you guys should just go home. There may be something to Shannon's theory. A few months before Election Day in 2016, the mayor of Boston, the governor of Massachusetts, and the attorney general of Massachusetts co-wrote an op-ed piece to the Boston Globe, stating that Massachusetts should not legalize recreational marijuana. One of the reasons they stated is a sentiment that Shannon actually agrees with. Quote, the financial backers of legalization are not neighborhood leaders, medical professionals, or grassroots activists, the op-ed says. They are big businesses and investors who are spending millions on campaigns across the country because they will profit from the legalization of marijuana. In a surprising sentiment, Shannon agrees with them about marijuana legalization. I actually don't support legalization anymore. Whoa. Yeah, I'm all for uh, decriminalization. I think it should have just stopped at decrim. It feels great to be able to... Um, walk around and even consume or, or drive around and have a bag in my trunk technically or safely locked away and not have a risk of being uh, locked up because not too long ago, even when I was pregnant, that was a real fear of like, wow, if I get caught even with this joint in my hand, I could go to jail for something as little as this. So decrim was awesome. Don't criminalize it. Let the people out. Um, legalization, it all just boils down to money and power. Who has the power to get the money? That's it. Because I haven't seen it even done in Colorado. I haven't seen it done in California. I haven't seen it done in Nevada where they are trying to protect the true business interests before it became legal. They're just trying to uh, turn it over to big money. So what's up with big marijuana? Why is the referendum not doing what grassroots activists hoped it would do? In the next episode, we talk to Horace Small, a member of the advisory board on the Cannabis Control Commission. And he agrees with Shannon. Shannon is absolutely right. Because the reality is that if, if, if remember, if, if the major component, the major the major gist of the legislation was to like help resolve the injustice that was perpetrated upon poor people and black and brown people. Fuck no. Yeah, I don't know that. Okay, but there are reasons for that.
This has been Make Weed Make Sense. Thanks for listening. <laughs>